This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. If we continue along in the valleys of the Bible, this is kind of a difficult lesson today. I understand, gave me a good understanding how hard it is for the pastor to teach the prophecy series. And I don't want to get too much into any of his prophecy messages, but it does kind of bleed over into some prophetic things as we look. And so we'll try to decipher, because a lot of times the valleys in the Bible, at one point in the Old Testament, when they come on the scene, they can be called a certain thing. And then as time changes on, they may be called another thing. And even in the Bible, they're, they're referenced to another type of uh, wording about the valleys. And so I know that makes it confusing sometimes when we look at it, but we've tried to, to keep that as much as we can. And we will look at a lot of scriptures today. And we will look at mainly at first what hap originally happened in this area. Some important things took place. We can go all the way back to the beginning, uh, even to Noah's day. And then, then the, another battle took place there in that valley. And then uh, prophetically wise, being in the same area, named differently, will be the end time battle as well. So we want to look at all those things uh, and try to, try to put it all together. The Valley of Jehoshaphat. So they'll put Joel chapter 3 and verse number 2 up on the screen. And this is where we come into the first uh, part of seeing uh, the, the Valley of Jehoshaphat. And notice all the wording as we look at how each time we reference this. I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the Valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Boy, that, we just saw, heard that in the pastor's prophecy message last Sunday, how that uh, they have been scattered. The Jews have been scattered. And uh, also the land has been divided up. And, and so... Uh, we see we see this here, and we see the valley of Jehoshaphat. Now we jump down to verse twelve. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I set to judge all the heathen round about. So Joel gives us some uh, prophecy here, and gives us some scriptures that deal with that. And as I said, the name given in modern times as you move ahead to the valley, and it's between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives, is the Kidron. And that's where we're more familiar with the Kidron that flows through that. Now, we go back to a battle that happened here in this area with Jehoshaphat. He overthrew the enemies of Israel in this valley. And some of those enemies that were overthrown there were the Tyranians, Zidonians, and so this has been fulfilled. 
this is already, that battle's already taken place. But Joel speaks of a final conflict. And we know that the final conflict will come in the end. So God will destroy all the enemies that come up against Israel in that battle as well. So the Valley of Jehoshaphat is like a general term as we move down through, through the Bible and look at this area, especially as we get closer to God's final judgment. Right now, the valley has been used for uh, a burial ground. You go in that area, you'll see the paved over, you'll see flat stones, tombstones bearing the Hebrew inscription in that valley. So it's a, it's a symbolic place. And I want you to remember this too. It's called the Valley of Decision. So I don't want to confuse you by giving you the names, which are all these different names, but let's apply them to this, to this Valley of Jehoshaphat. The Valley of Decision. Now look at Joel chapter 3, and I think I have verse 14 maybe on there. And we'll look at this. Now notice, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So when saying multitudes, multitudes, we're talking vast numbers there. And it is. It's a, it's a place where decision is made. Either you're on the Lord's side or you're not on the Lord's side. And that decision will be clear in this particular area. I did another look, study more into this valley of decision. And it's the same with the valley of Jehoshaphat like we mentioned before. And it shows that uh, these, these valleys, God's judgment takes place in these valleys. So that's why it's namely called the valley of decision. It's a judgment to determine between God's and His enemies. And it will be decided in the end. In this place, at this time, these nations will be gathered together. And we'll see words like the threshing floor. We see words like putting the sickle out. The blood. A lot of this, all of this talking about what's going to happen in this area. So, we just like it was, and we'll look at that battle with Jehoshaphat in a minute, with the Moabites, the Ammonites, they were threshed by the Jews in the valleys. And so, uh, later on, these, these anti-Christian kings, these armies, these, anybody that came against God's people in Israel, when they came against God's children, and we find that Israel went to their knees. They asked God for help, and God came through. And that's exactly, He'll always come through. So we, this prophecy later on in this area here, the vast armies of the Turks under the name Gog and the great slaughter and all of that's going to take place and uh, they'll be slain there. And we, we probably won't be able to get into much of Revelation today, but uh, we can see all of that is in the Bible. So just keep in mind, this, this relates to God's executing judgment. You know, we often think, boy, the wicked in this world, they're getting away with a, a lot of things. Well, 
God will judge the, all of that. He'll take care of all of that. We don't have to worry about that. He's a, he's a righteous judge, and he would definitely do that. But during Jehoshaphat's reign, there, there needed to be deliverance. And so 2 Chronicles chapter 20, <clears throat> and we'll look at, <clears throat> start looking at verse number 1, because these forces had come up against Israel. And they were going to be ready to slaughter them. And they would have gotten slaughtered except for they cried out to God. And it's interesting to see how God worked in this battle. What happened? Maybe some lessons for us today. So it came to pass after this also <clears throat> that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon with them, other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat in battle. Verse 2. Then came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on the side of Syria, and behold, they be in Hazon, Tamar, which is in Gedi. Jehoshaphat feared, set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. You know, we, we've talked about fasting and praying. That's really getting down seriously asking the Lord to do something when you fast and pray. Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So they realized what they needed to do. They knew where they needed to get help from, so they began to seek the Lord. Verse number 6, Jehoshaphat, or number 5, Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, Art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand there is not power and might, so that none be able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who drive, didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwell therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying... If when evil cometh upon us as a sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence. You see, it wasn't always just an enemy, an army enemy that would come against them. They had to deal with a judgment, with pestilence, with famine, and all of these things, when it would come upon them, they would seek the Lord, ask the Lord for help, for deliverance out of that. And... We'll, we'll face many different kinds of things in our life too. But I'm glad that the Lord's able to help us through all of that. For thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sur, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast us out, of thy possession which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. I like that. Even when we don't know what to do, what decision to make, where to turn, if we'll keep our eyes on the Lord and focus on Him, He'll give us the answers. All of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, their children. Then upon Jaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, 
a Levite of the sons of Aspah, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. So upon those particular people, that group that he's got gathered here, because he's going out to speak to the congregation later on, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. So they knew that God is hearing, God's answering, God's going to do something. He said, Hearken ye all of Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude. Look at this. For the battle is not yours, but God's. What a great thing to always remember. No matter how big the problem is, the battle is not ours. It's the Lord's. Tomorrow go ye down against them, and behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. And ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerel. Ye shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed tomorrow. Go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Boy, there were some comforting words. Jehoshaphat bowed his head and his face to the ground. All of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, fell before the Lord and worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the children of the Kohites and the children of the Korites stood to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose up early in the morning and went forth in the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, and so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted the people, this is, uh, this is different. This is amazing. He didn't say sharpen your swords up, get everything, get your armor ready. He appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out of the army and say, praise the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. That's their song they're going to sing. They begin to sing and praise the Lord and set ambush against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come up against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped, look at this, to destroy another. They fought each other. They, they came against each other and, and Israel didn't have to do a thing. Just sang the praises of the Lord. When Judah came toward the watchtower to the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them abundance, both riches with dead bodies, precious jewels. They stripped off themselves more than they could carry away, and they were three days in the gathering of the spoil. It was so much. It took them three days just to gather up the spoil of it. And on the fourth day, they assembled themselves in the valley of Baccarat, for there they blessed the Lord, and therefore the name of the place was called the Valley of Baraka unto this day. And they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat, and the forefront of them to go ahead to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. 
And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord. They're still playing, singing music. Fear of God was on the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So an amazing thing happened there in this, in this valley. Amazing battle. God turned the enemies against each other. But I just found it awesome that they just sang praises to the Lord, made music to the Lord. They, they showed the Lord that how much they loved Him and knew that He would help them. So that is what originally happened in this valley. And at the symbolic, you also hear of the low plain of Jehoshaphat. So it's a long valley. And it extends, and it's interesting to see where it, where it ends up and how the Scriptures also talk about it. So, Jehovah judges the nations worthy of execution, and it's because they mistreat His people. You know, we, 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 we talk about praying for the peace of Jerusalem. We talk about how we should continue to lift them up in her prayers, and I hope that the United States of America never goes against Israel, never goes against God's people. So we see things like the wine press, the crushing of the nations, bunches of grapes. We link that to the low plain of Jehoshaphat, but literally with the Kidron Valley. There are valleys that some of these we've covered some of these we talked about, like the Valley of Hinnom, the Valley of Jezreel, and a lot of times they try to link these together and make them one, different, different things in the Bible. But one thing about it, there is a place that is large enough. I'm sure the pastor will still be able to go there on the, on the Holy Land trip. He's been there before. Large enough to accommodate these, these uh, armies that will come up against them. So, uh, let's look at just a few verses in Revelation chapter 14, verse number 18. And we talk, it talks about here another angel come from the altar which had the power over fire and carried a loud cry with him. And notice these words, a sharp sickle, saying, thrust in the sharp sickle and gather the cluster of vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle unto the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was, tread, was trodden without the city and the blood came out of the winepress even into the horse's bridle by the space of a thousand and six furlongs. So we see in those scriptures there some of the prophecy that is going to take place. And we give you the a picture there in your, so you can kind of get an idea of some of those armies that will be coming. We will be coming with the Lord riding on white horses. And we won't have to fight the battle. All we'll have to do is stand, sit back and see, see the Lord fight the battle. But the, but the prophecy continue in the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah chapter 34 we want to look at a few verses here. 
And as we look at these verses, notice the, the uh, wording, some of the wordings that go so much together with other prophecies. Come near, ye nations, to hear and hearken, ye people, let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world, and all the things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and His fury is upon all their armies. Notice, he, shall, he hath utterly destroyed them, he hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also be cast out, their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. And all the hosts shall fall down as the leaf falleth off the vine, from the vine, and as a falling fig from the tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven, and behold, it shall come down upon Edom and upon the people of my curse to judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood, is made fat with fatness, and with the blood of lambs, goats, and fat of kidneys of rams. For the Lord hath had a sacrifice in Basra. Notice that word Basra. And a great slaughter in the land of Edom. And the unicorn shall come down with them, and the bullocks with the bulls, and their land shall be soaked with blood, and the dust made fat with fatness. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. So we see once again, though even though the wording is speaking about different things as we watch it, we, all, we recognize it's still a prophecy part of what is going to take place. Now, notice Isaiah 63, and we'll look at verse number 1. Who is it that cometh from Eden with dyed garments from Basra? Is that... It, this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in the righteousness mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thy apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? I have trodden down the winepress alone. There's that word winepress again. And of the people there was none with me, for I will tread them in mine angle and trample them in my fury, and the blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. And I looked, and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore mine own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury it upheld me. And I will tread down the people in my anger and make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to earth. So what we're seeing is the staging area. Everything getting set for what we know as the Battle of Armageddon. All the nations think that they have the power to go ahead and take care of Israel. They line up, they'll line up. They'll line up in these areas. And they'll be looking to bring an end to Israel. And of course, that will never happen. We talked about the Valley of Jezreel. We talk about the different things that are going on around that area as well. But if this valley were to take, to be the main place as we go down through time, 
whether you want to call it a valley, Jehoshaphat, Valley of Decision, Kidron Valley, whatever you want to put the name to it, we're in this area where this, where this battle will take place. Now what I found out that is, this valleys continue to descend to the Dead Sea Valley. And then this valley will turn into a river of blood, which we saw in the Scriptures there. And that river of blood, whose length is 160 miles, it will reach as far as, do you remember the word we kept saying? Basra, which lies toward the southern end of the Dead Sea. So we saw that Basra come up many times. And it's remarkable because when we're considering these verses like we've read that describe the Lord and who He is and what He's going to do, we certainly know the end time is in sight. I believe it is. I believe the Lord is soon returning and I'm, I'm looking for Him. Uh, prophecies have been fulfilled. Things have taken place. And we know that the Lord is getting things lined up. You know, I was thinking the other, other day about how he said his people, and Pastor brought it out in the prophetic message, will be returning to Israel. And I thought, well, what, what will make them have a desire to turn? Well, not only, probably most important, mostly, is that the Holy Spirit, whatever he does within their hearts, he can produce a longing for them to want to go back home. But you know, remember not just too long ago, we began watching the news and how all of a sudden we see people speaking against the Jews. Some people were doing that. And brought up a big thing. And I, I was thinking in my, myself as I read that, that they're going to get fed up with that. If that happens a lot, where people go against the Jews here in, a, in our country. And they, they get to a point, hey, I don't need to put up with this. I'm, I'm going back home. And so they are returning back home by the thousands. And so there's been such a, a great increase of going back there. And it's all because the Lord God is lining up the things that are going to happen in the end time. And they certainly will take place exactly when the Lord wants it to take place. We don't know the day or the time. No one knows that. But we do know that He says, look around you when you see these things come to pass. When you see these things happening on the earth, then look up because your redemption draweth nigh. So many times we, we look around and see the things, how bad they are, and we're thinking, man, how... How can they get any worse? And this is things are getting so terrible and so forth and so on. But the thing is, we need to stop and say, hey, this is just a sign here of what's going to take place. And, it, and it's a good picture of soon the Lord will be returning. And so we need to be ready. But not only be ready, we need to get others ready. We need to get the message out before it's too late. And so that's why we, we continue as Christians to do what God has called us to do. So uh, I believe as we get closer to the end time, the devil knows that. 
And I believe he's going to be working harder. He's going to be pulling out all the stops. He's going to be doing everything that he can to distract us from reaching someone else with the gospel. And, and he's certainly doing that in these days. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it seems harder and harder to reach somebody for Christ. I remember years ago that it just seemed like people were anxious to get saved many times. They were so under conviction. You know, I wonder many times in our churches today, I don't see that conviction with people like you used to. I mean, I mean, the sermon would be over and people would be crying and weeping and, 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 and just ready to get saved, heading down to the altar and, and wanting to be born again before it was too late. And, and I think today, in today's time, we got a lot of things going on and maybe it takes away from that conviction. We have to be careful of that. Even just the, the moving around of people in our church during the time of invitation. They may not think that's important, but that, that distraction, you know, so, somebody's been thinking in their heart and the Lord's been dealing with them and they're thinking about their soul and then all of a sudden, well, where's that person going? What, what's happening over here? Okay. Well, anyway, that kind of distracted me from, from what the Holy Spirit was doing. So it is important. It's very important that we, we be still in those, those final moments. That's the most important time, really. It's the final moments that somebody could be making a decision for Christ. So I hope that we, we take that in consideration. Just like we take in consideration that the earth is going to pass away one day. And the Lord's going to bring judgment one day. And a lot of people don't, don't think that that matters. They think they can live their life in the way they want to live, and it, it's just not going to matter. But they'll find out one day, before, and sorry to say, it will be too late for many people. But in this area that we talk about here, this Valley of Decision, this Jehoshaphat Valley, in this particular area, it's remarkable that, as I also looked into and studied, was that there have been some divine judgments taking place in times past in this area. Now, it is said that at one time, Noah's time, during, during Lot's time, that divine judgments took place in the very area. This is... This they consider to be the deepest part of the earth time. It's believed, of course, that Noah built his ark in the Jordan Valley. No one knows that for sure, but it is, as they try to put things together, it's believed that. And then it's also believed that later on the, the ark came to rest on uh, Ariat, Mount Ariat, which is Turkey. And of course, people have searched for remnants of that and tried to, tried to find that as well. Now, you're very familiar when you hear the words of these two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. Once again, God rained down judgment on these two cities, and they were situated in the same valley area that was carved out through there as well. So, 
you know, when you put those things together, when you go back and look at Noah's day, when he said, get the people in the ark and God shut the door and started rain, bringing rain down, that, that was a judgment that many people died and the rest of the people on the earth. Everybody died except those that were in the ark. So that was a, a, a vast judgment. And then when Sodom and Gomorrah lived so ungodly before the Lord, he said, I'm going to judge these two cities. And he brought judgment upon them. So why not God would continue to be in that same area and bring this, bring this next judgment, the final judgment that is going to take place. So uh, it seems like that word wine press, pressing out, getting rid of, of things that, that need to be getting rid of, judgment taking place, that's exactly what God has done. And that would mean that His final judgment will, will be done here as well. So... These three times, this very area, this very place, God judged the world. So we certainly see He will judge the world one more time. And this time it will be taken care of a final time. So the day is coming when the same Lord, Jesus, who offered His life on the cross, as the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world, He will become the judge. That's why He has the right to do that. You know, people may ask, well, what gives Jesus the right to do that judgment? Because He paid for the sins of the world. He gave the world an opportunity to be saved. So it gives Him the right to be the righteous judge, the judge to take care of that. And so, uh, sometimes God's Word calls it the wrath of the Lamb. Because He was the Lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. It's given as a sacrifice, our sacrifice for us. And just like His blood was shed, the blood will flow from the horse's bridle all the way down to Basra. So, I think we need to realize the main point and we're seeing in these scriptures that we've been looking at today is that there is going to be a final battle. You know, the, the area, it will be set. It will be ready. And all of the Antichrist and his people and the forces of the world will gather together against Jerusalem. And they will trigger the Lord's fierce response and it will be quick, it will be sudden, it will be, it will be without uh, anything left over to be taken care of. And we'll have a sideline seat. We'll be able to stand there and see it all take place and it all happen. And, you know, when I studied this particular area with these verses, I, I could have gone into many more verses, but they, I don't want to spill over into the prophecy series that pastor's preaching, he by no means, he does a more fantastic job than I ever could. But when you study that these scriptures and go back and look at some of these things, I tried to touch on what to expect, what we see. 
And it helps us read those words over and over again so that we're not confused with what they mean. Because a lot of times when you read Old Testament prophecy, it, you, you know, you don't link it to what it actually the Lord means. Unless you study into it, see those words over again, compare Scripture to Scripture, get back over into Revelation and see those, some of those same uh, Scriptures and references come into place. And so that's just like the book of Revelation. A lot of, some of those things are symbolic and some of it are literal as you study the book of Revelation and people, we get confused over that sometimes. That's why a lot of people don't read the book of Revelation because they can't understand it and they get confused over it. Now that's why it's good to have somebody like our pastor come and explain those scriptures to us. Does such a great job. So I encourage you to be here for each prophecy message and, and uh, see what's going to come up and what's going to take place. And that way we're not surprised about it and we're not confused about it. Because I don't know about you, but I get questions from people all the time about, well, what does this mean? What does that mean? How is that going to take place? What's going to happen here? I mean, and that, you know, that, that's good that they ask those questions. Sometimes you may not always have an answer for them. But if you take notes and study through these prophecy series, you'll have answers. And many of you that have been Christians for a long time, you know, you know the answers because you've read it, you've heard it, you've studied it over and over again. But some of these valleys do come into play as we come along. This is the first one that really that has dealt in the area of prophecy. Some of them are just dealing as we've gone on. But I've enjoyed the study into that. I've enjoyed uh, Brother Danny's study that he's been giving us and I'm looking forward to as he moves into the mountain study later on, and, and uh, we'll see some of those things come to pass as well. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.